Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. All right. Well, glad you're here. I hope you're ready to hear the Word of God. As always, we encourage you to... Um, Bring your word, whether it's on your phone or pad or whatever, and, but we really encourage the paper. There's something profound about the paper. I'll leave that with you. Um, we're in Matthew 24. We're closing it out. Uh, spent three weeks in Matthew 24 to prepare our way to get into Revelation which will start next week, actually. And Matthew 24 is all of a discourse. This is where Jesus was asked by his disciples about the end times, what will happen. And this is Jesus' clearest teaching on that. And it's just the launch pad right into the book of Revelation. And so we're gonna kind of wrap Matthew 24 up, uh, if you can even do that, which you can't, but we're going to, <laughs> at least in this series. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there and get ready. For that, uh, just a little background where we've been for those of joining. Again, welcome to those watching online. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Um, but we, uh, let me jump one over one more. We're going to talk about walking by faith this morning. But uh, the last three weeks, we've kind of broken down Matthew 24 in the sense of how do we respond to this, this huge answer that Jesus gave to the church to be ready. So the question is, how can we be ready? And we've answered it three, three things when we're looking at the text. First, we, we start with embracing the truth. I have to deal with truth. That's where it all begins. And, uh, and obviously, Jesus came as the way, the truth, the life. If we get that wrong, then everything else, we will miss reality. And folks, we talked a few weeks ago, that's where we're at today as a nation, as a culture. We have, uh, for a long time now, kind of flirted with this idea of some kind of relative truth, and we are now now seeing the results of that, and we're losing touch with reality. And uh, in many different spheres across uh, uh, our, our nation, uh, emotionally, everything else, <clears throat> and that's what happens when we don't have a solid foundation of holding on to seeking the truth first and foremost. And then the final thing of, of answering this question of, wow, how do we how do we get ready? How do we get ready for what we're, we don't know what is coming is we walk by faith. And uh, this idea of embracing Jesus, obviously the truth lends us to facing reality, dealing with responsibility and the things around us according to God's word. And finally, it's this idea of walk by faith. And you've heard it, 2 Corinthians 5, we're to walk by faith, not by sight. And, uh, and so this morning, I want to break that down for us. What does this look like? Okay, how in these times, what does it look like, look like to get ready, right, in these times and to walk by faith? So uh, just to get us in here, I just want to again throw out the question is, are you ready? It's a profound question that we as believers should really sink into, hold on to, wrestle with more than we'd ever realized. And isn't it amazing how life moves on? We get busy and we don't really get the time to really sink in on the question of, man, am I ready? And you might say, well, ready for what? And well, let's just dive in deep. Well, are you ready to die? Because you're going to. I'm going to. Um, and, and, and I can tell, we, we all know that if I don't deal with that ahead of time, because we don't know when that's coming, is that can be a rude awakening. But how about for the end of the world? How about for something far bigger and grander than even COVID? Are we ready? 
Are we ready for what we're going to read and have been reading about? Jesus says the birth pains, all these things are coming. Are we ready for these things? But more than all that, let's just bring it down to are we ready to stand before our Lord, the creator, the one that created us and, and gave us a stewardship of this life? Are we ready to stand before him and give an account? Are we ready for that? And now here's the amazing good news, folks, is that right now we can be ready. Do you realize that faith, walking by faith, in other words, embracing Jesus, having faith in Jesus, we can be ready now for anything that comes our way. I'm gonna say that again. Walking by faith, knowing Jesus, we can be ready for anything that comes our way. That's what living in the peace of God, that's what trusting God for the uncertain is all about is that we walk with him and we know we're right with him and that we know that whatever comes our way that we're trusting him. We're, we have his hand. He has our hand. As the promise in John 10 says, no one can snatch you out of my hand, Jesus says, if you know him. And so there is this security. There's, there is this great assurance that the scripture over and over again gives to his people, gives to us that we can hold on to, that we can know when we rise in the morning. Remember, today counts. You don't know if you're gonna have tomorrow. I don't know if I'm gonna have tomorrow. Today counts. This morning counts. And when I rise up in the morning, is my mind one, or one of, Lord, I'm, I'm ready with you. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for this day. Today counts. Lord, I, I, I wanna walk with you by faith today. I am ready. I'm ready for whatever comes my way, Lord. And ultimately, come, I remember the, the heartbeat of the church is come, Lord Jesus, come, bring your kingdom, bring justice, bring truth, bring peace to this world, right? Bring that. And, and that should be growing, simmering among the body of Christ uh, when we gather together. There should be this praise that goes up and Lord Jesus, come, be with us now. Lord, come, and bring this uniting of heaven and earth together on this earth, a renewed earth, a renewed heaven, coming the new Jerusalem down, fulfilling all things that Christ was given to unite all things in heaven and earth. That's Christ's big, 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 big purpose of bringing the family of God together on this planet um, where we can be with God in, in, uh, in his presence. And so that should be our heartbeat and this question of are we ready? Um, and again, just this great assurance. Folks, we can, we can live in that assurance. We can have that assurance. And so I wanna drill in this morning as we get in Matthew 24 and, uh, and just flesh out a little bit this morning for us. Wow, what, is this, what does this look like, walking by faith? And I'm gonna, after we read this, I'm going to share uh, one of the greatest tools, understandings when it comes to understanding prophecy. How do we read prophecy in the Bible and, and understand in a, in a healthy way the, what's already taken place and what is yet to come? Um, because that's what builds our faith up and gives us a context of understanding what, this, what is this whole concept of walking by faith right, all about. So Matthew 24, if you have your Bibles, we're going to just go through verse 31 this morning. Jesus left the temple and he was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, Jesus says, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And we know in 70 AD, just a little time after Jesus prophesied this, the Romans came in under Titus and, and leveled the temple. Killed a million Jews, took over 100,000 captive. A great time of tribulation. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, and again, folks, just hope that sinks in. 
the amount of fulfilled prophecy that is in the Bible, old and new. There's not another book anywhere in all of history that comes even close. As he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, by the way, it's referred to three times in the book of Daniel, the uh, abomination of desolation. And we'll talk about that in a second. Then they'll let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant for those and those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and will never be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand so if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. They say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. The word of God. You can say amen if you want to. Amen. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome to speak back here. This is just not a one-way deal, all right? Okay. Man. All right, I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna, let's, let's drill in on this, and then we'll get into a little more detail about how, what is it, how do we walk by faith so that we can be ready and awakened as we, this text, Jesus, over and over again is, and we went on to chapter 25, um, that uh, the rest of 25 is parables that Jesus told. Again, drilling on the point, be ready. 
Have extra oil in your lamp. Be ready. I'm coming like a thief in the night. The bridegroom is going to be delayed. You need to wait. You need to be ready, not get lazy. Um, it's, it's just an overwhelming exhortation to the church, right, to wake up. So first, though, let me just, uh, this idea of walking by faith, in other words, folks, a lot of people say, well, it's just blind faith. I could never believe in a guy who died on the cross and blah, blah, blah. Folks, there's nothing blind about Christian faith. Let me just say that. There's nothing blind. Our faith rests upon solid, historical, incredible, consistent, fulfilled word of God that he's spoken for us to hold on to. That is the seed, the already. So in other words, to have assurance, right, in, in what God has doing, done, done for us so we can be ready for the future, it, we are to stand our faith upon what he's already done, to see, to behold, to believe, right, what God has already done. And then the next part is to seek, right, the, the not yet. And this is where Jesus exhorts us, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And uh, again, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, ask, seek, knock. In other words, there is to be this seeking and it's a taking hold of the promises of God and making them a reality in our lives because God has eternal life for you to live now, not just into eternity, but the promises here are to be a reality today, but they have to be taken by faith. They have to be pursued. They have to be tried and true and, and walking in discipleship and in obedience, right, to the word of God so that we truly, in following him, can experience his promises, the fruit of the spirit, all the many blessings that God has. So this principle is the, and some of you have maybe, if you've read prophecy, you've heard the idea of the already, but the not yet. So this, I just give this to you. We'll come back as we get into Revelation into this a little bit more. But this is wisdom for understanding so much of the Bible, Old and New Testament. When we read things, prophecy especially that was written in the Old or New about some future events is were to take an already but not yet approach, meaning that that was written to have a, a, some kind of fulfillment in present time or near present time to the readers that were hearing it, but it was also to have a ultimate fulfillment in the future. So the, the fulfillment of that, and also I'll use the first part of this. This is about, um, let's just say, 32 AD. And Jesus is having this conversation on the Mount of Olives um, with his disciples. And they ask him about the temple and they ask him about the end times. And he says, I tell you, not one stone. As he looks at the temple from the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley to the temple, and he says, not one stone will be left. It was only 70 AD when Rome came in and all that time, as I said, a million Jews were killed, slaughtered. It was an ugly tribulation time. There was a fulfillment of this prophecy in 70 AD. There was a tribulation. There was all these things we read about, birth pains, kingdoms against kingdoms, all what was happening with Rome and everything else. All of that, there was a fulfillment there. But I can step back even. Daniel, um, who it speaks about here, obviously, who prophesied of the abomination of desolation. You can go to the old prophetic, um, in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, 12 chapters. And, and it's three times as he mentioned the abomination of desolation. 
And uh, in 160, so several hundred years after those prophecies, in 168, a fulfillment of what we read here about the abomination of desolation, setting himself up in the temple to desecrate the temple and desecrate worship. It was fulfilled in 168 by a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a really bad dude and went in, wiped the temple out and set himself up, right, to be worshiped. That was a fulfillment of those prophecies. But if you read the Daniel prophecies, there's much more to come towards the end. That's a picture of what God has already done, the already in history that we're to wake up and go, wow, his prophecy is true to what he says and wake us up to realize that we're to look forward to the ultimate fulfillment of what God is going to do in the future. Does this make sense? Do you get this? It's absolutely important and critical and it will bring alive, right, the, the scriptures. Now, I don't know where, if, you, if you're into prophecy, I don't know if you watch the left behind stuff or whatever. What I want to say is hold loosely some of these firm lines. Be careful that we don't go, some people, and I don't have time to get in all the different kind of interpretive things, but be careful you don't move to one end of a complete replacement idea that all this stuff has happened in the past. That would be a misreading just by us reading it this morning. Something says, look, all that hasn't happened yet for sure, right? And he's speaking about the ultimate end, right? So be careful that you don't fall into that category. Leave it open, right, with the not yet, that God is still, that's an indicator, right? What happened at 70 AD is an indicator of what is yet to come. You go back to the book of Daniel. We'll get into this in Revelation, right? And he speaks of the abomination desolation as ultimately the end will be this anti-Messiah, this anti-Christ who will come and be the final one who actually wars against the kingdom of heaven and Christ. And it says that Christ will put him away with his word, the power of the word, the sword of the spirit, right? And um, no one can stand in the presence of God. The battle is minder. But we must stand into these things. And we have to be careful that we don't go to the other side and, and just the not yet, that everything is future, that there's been nothing fulfilled in the present because then we'll, we'll miss the whole context of, of what the early church and what the ones that was written to originally would have received and, and, and the fulfillment to strengthen, right, what and give us insight for the future. And so we need to hold this loose. And this is the exciting part, folks. Daniel 12, last chapter, is he says that as the end times comes, as these birth pains increase, right? Um, as the end, there, were there birth pains leading up to 70 AD? Absolutely. Was there tribulation? Absolutely. Was the gospel going out to the world? Absolutely, to some extent. The, the, to the ultimate fulfillment of these patches? No. We're still seeing birth pains, Right, we're still seeing, and of course, we'll get into this a little bit, the idea of the temple. What's gonna happen in the temple? Some, so I would say, hold it loosely. Some of you might have people that say, oh, oh, oh the Jews are gonna rebuild that temple one day. I personally believe they are going to. And a lot of these passages will be the fulfillment. You need another temple for that to be fulfilled. As you know, if you know anything about politics, if that starts to happen, all hell is gonna break loose literally, right? So, but others would say, no, no, no. If you've grown up in some churches that kind of embrace replacement theology, I'd ask you to hold that loosely, right? Is that, uh, oh, the church has fulfilled all that. There isn't any more things going on in Israel as such. I, I would stay away from that. Hold loosely. Daniel says when the end comes, as it, we get closer, the Holy Spirit is gonna give revelation, more revelation to those who are watching and waiting and seeking his truth. Is that he will open up, give great insight into what is gonna happen happen, right, moving into the future times. So this is that already, Lord, what have you already done, Jesus, that I can hold on to, right, and give me insight to have faith, to walk by faith so that I might what? 
right? Be ready for the not yet, right? Be ready for the not yet. And let's just take this down to our own personal life, right? This is how we walk by faith. We stand upon what God has already done, what Jesus has already done on the cross and defeating the power of sin and death. I hold on to that truth now, right? So that what? I can stand and be ready for what is yet to come. Does that make sense? That's walking by faith. And that is the filter we're to take to prophecy, well, all of scripture, right, for, for that matter. So we'll come back to that. I'll hold on to that, wrestle with that. Let's talk about that. It's, it's absolute key to understand, right, some of, of, of the, especially the more detailed prophetic stuff in the, in the scriptures. So what I wanna do now, just in our, our little time left, I've just got two things for us to drill down more uh, this morning, and this is, Verse 14 out of Matthew 24, and this question of what kingdom is gaining allegiance in your heart? When I think about growing in faith, walking in faith, and these are questions that should be fleshed out in your discipleship group, in your times of drilling in with each other. Man, what's really going on in my heart? What's going on in your heart? And, and, and this is an important question, and let me just read verse 14, right? It says, and this gospel of the kingdom this is important, the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus, in the beginning of his ministry, all through the gospel, he, he says, Jesus said, he began his ministry and he said, and he started preaching and it was a simple message, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I, I would advocate two things in the church in America. We have not preached either one of those two things. We have not preached repentance as a forerunner to receiving Jesus and the importance of that, there is no salvation without repentance. We have not upheld that faithfully. That was Jesus's method of preaching, as well as all through the book of Acts. We haven't done that. And secondly, we have not upheld the kingdom of God. We've held up a very personal gospel that is about me and what Jesus has done for me. And we've left out the larger aspect of the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout where? The whole world. And to who? As a testament to all nations. And when you look at the book of, uh, in the Old Testament, it is all about the truth of God being proclaimed to the rulers of the nations because every nation is gonna bow. And see, the problem in America is we've just bought into this very personal Jesus thing and, and no wonder now that we've bought the Eastern idea that oh, all paths lead to God because see, if he's just my personal God and not the king of kings of the entire universe and all nations, then I can easily just fall into the cultural wave I miss the glory of the kingdom. I miss the great commission ultimately. I hope that sinks in because all of us have been affected by that. We've missed the gospel of the kingdom. God's role for his church is to proclaim, right, his truth, obviously individually to us, but to see that Jesus' role, that all these things are leading up to Jesus' return, well, he will reign over all the nations and every nation will be judged. And that every nation we know from the scripture is, is right, there's human leaders who are, who are, uh, are, who are uh, like all of us, fallen. And from the beginning of time, we see, what has there ever been a, quote, good nation? Has there ever been a good administration? I mean, just please talk to me if you know of one. I don't. I mean, let's just talk about South Korea, North Korea, Iraq. Let's talk about America, Right, it is that power corrupts and we know that nations represent in the Bible the power of the kingdom of the world. And it's what we sell out for, it's the power of sin to drag me in to think, hey, that's the way for life is to sell out and go after power in this world. That is what Jesus is coming to conquer. 
And so this question of what kingdom, and folks, this last year, this whole election, all this stuff, it has exposed an ugly, ugly thing in the church in America that the rest of, if Joanne and Duane had a little farther to go this morning, right, they would tell you that the world, Christians around the world, the Chinese Christians in, in underground, the Iraqi Christians in underground are looking at us in dismay at how we responded to COVID, how we responded to the election with dismay of where is their faith? Where is their allegiance? Right, where, where are they? Where's their passion? They scattered. And I could go on and on. All right, it's exposed a massive deficit to show we're so far from being ready. We got some work to do. We need to reestablish faith. And really, what's this, where's what kingdom, what kingdom do I put my hope in? Right? And the church should be about expanding. Folks, look at what Paul, look at the book of Acts. Paul started his mission. He came personally into relationship. He was saved by, supernaturally by Jesus' encounter. He was called to be the apostle to the nations. He took the gospel out to different parts of the known world, planted a little local church like this that continued to plant and plant. But in his ministry, right, is well, how did he end? The book of Acts. Who was Paul talking to in the end? The kings and the rulers and the Caesar of the greatest nations. Why? To fulfill what Jesus said, to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. There is one king, there is one ruler over all the nations and the, all these things are birth pains, giving grace, giving time for, for people to come and receive the glorious good news of Jesus. One day when he returns, every nation will bow. Every tongue will confess and that he will come and he will judge the nations. That's why it says later on in 24 that when he returns, there's a lot of mourning going on. There's a uh-oh, right? Is, is we've had ourselves on the throne. There's one king, there's one Lord, and there's a day of reckoning, right, for that. Does that make sense, gang? You see what's happening? You see how, again, Jesus said, look at the gospels, how he began his ministry. He began his ministry by preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you read the gospels, he continually says this, hey, if I do my work, if there's a manifestation of the spirit among you, if there's a healing among you, if there's salvation among you, realize the kingdom is among you. Repent, turn from your way and receive Jesus, the free gift, right, of eternal life. And um, we have a lot of work to do, right, on this one. If we're going to walk by faith, right, the question comes, it rolls down to, if I can't see the kingdom of God and Jesus' rule over all things is my grand hope when he makes all things right, oh, man, I'm going to be pulled left, right, and center politically and everything else. And I would just say so strongly to any of our folks who are just embrace social justice is I love the heart, I love the passion, but I just plead with you is that behind all that is realize that no one, no one, no cause, no people will write justice in this world until Jesus returns. And my primary motive needs to be, I do all that good work, but make sure that my words and everything, as it says, Jesus says, let your good works be known unto men. So do your social justice, but what does Jesus say? Why? So that the Father in heaven, people would give him glory, Right? And this is absolutely critical to be recovered today in this, whew, we could get off on that whole thing. So, 
I give you that to think about and wrestle with. And let me just stop here and just say something again. I, I always want to make sure we welcome the skeptic, the doubter, the, the, you know, the anti-religious, the, the, uh, the abused in the past, the, the ones who are running from religion and maybe stepping back in and checking it out is this is a safe place. Church should be a, a place where I, I get in and I'm able to just get it all out on the table of my doubts, my fears, my big questions, my wrestles with the church, my wrestles with God, the deepest aspects of what I'm wrestling with, that's how we're to engage each other. This is to be a place that people can come and say, look, I don't know what I think about this 24. Man, let's sit down and talk about it. And let's get personal. Where's your heart? Right? What, what, where are you putting your allegiance? Right? And this is, this is the work of the church. This is being the city, right, set on, on a hill. This is being a people of grace and, and, and longing to see souls and hearts radically changed by the Spirit of God. And and this leads to the last question, folks, for us this morning. How do we walk by faith in a world of doubt? In a world of doubt. Folks, do you realize what's happening in the church in America today? Most people, I'm telling you, we are under the biggest shift, I think, well, I know, in American history. Now, forget our culture, forget politics, everything out there. The church in America. Doubt is, is ravaging the church we have people fleeing right now, people rethinking, right? The word now is deconstructing their thoughts, their ideas of God, their, their commitment levels to the local body and all of these things. It is a dangerous time. And let me just state this. Doubt is dangerous. Now, you're going to hear from a lot of folks, books, everything else out there today that embraces this idea of doubt. Oh, it's really good because we can get together. We need to just get your doubt out there. It's, it's a path to, to uh, reconnecting with God. Doubt is dangerous. You'll find nowhere in the scripture, doubt is the enemy of faith. And we have to recover this and understand this when we talk to people and be bold, right, with people. Now, here's the deal. Is, I know you're thinking, wait a minute is because we're all doubters. But here's the deal. When I say doubt is dangerous, I'm talking about doubt in God is dangerous when it comes to the core of my faith. As a follower of God, I'm always doubting, if you want to use it that way, I like a better word, we're always questioning God. Now that is healthy. God, why didn't you answer my prayer? This is spiritual life. This is walking with God. God, what is going on in our world? God, why did I get this sickness? God, why did this happen in this relationship? That is healthy faith walking with God and asking God, bringing him into our heart. That's good. That's not doubting God. Now, if I start saying, God, I don't know if you're there. I don't know about, I don't know, I don't know if I really believe that did, did Jesus really die for my sins? I don't know if you, do you really love me? God, I don't know if you're really good. All that stuff that's happening in our world, can you really, that is doubting the very character and who God is. That is the enemy of faith. That kind of doubt is doubt, right, that will rob a soul, will bring in darkness into a soul. It is dangerous. It needs to be fought. Now, is, here's the deal. Before someone, we need to, the other thing that's happened in this day and age is I think we need to recover how is someone saved? How is someone brought from darkness and doubt into the kingdom of God into a relationship with Jesus. What does that look like? Most of us have grown up in an idea where it's simply kind of walk the aisle, say the prayer, kind of you're in type of, of easy believism, let's say. And uh, again, you'll find that nowhere in scripture, by the way. And, but it has just permeated, right, again, the church today. And so let me just refresh us again, right? And this is important for us to understand 
is, and, cause, and this, is, boy, I, this is something I've had to really, the Lord's, I've been, he's been teaching me, right, is um, it's not about winning the argument. Church must understand this. It's not about winning the argument. You can win the argument, but you'll lose the soul. You see, no one can be argued into the kingdom. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. I can't save you. You can't save me. It's a work 100% by the glory and sovereign love of God. When anybody's eyes are open to see the glory of Jesus and his saving power and his, his love for you as your personal savior, right? that is a move of the Holy Spirit, nothing else. God uses our partnership. He uses our prayers, right, as part of this. But to be saved, you need a personal encounter, supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit that opens your eyes, opens my eyes, and comes in and makes this the temple of God. And if you cannot give, I'm gonna be as bold here, but it's just the truth of the word of God. If you cannot give testimony to your eyes being opened, like Paul, meeting Jesus personally as your savior, and not just your personal savior, but the Lord of the universe, of all nations, of the entire world, no other path, you haven't met Jesus. And you will not have assurance of salvation. And so it's not about winning the argument, arguing nobody's been argued into the kingdom. No one. It is a supernatural, powerful thing that the Spirit of God does in opening and relieving the veil, removing the veil, removing the blindness to see him for his glory, for the one who's seated at the right. And, and folks, just a little preclude, the first chapter of Revelation, it's all about the vision of the glorified Jesus. You know that everything begins right there. If you wanna, if you want, if you, I'm just gonna throw this out. We'll get there next week, but I think this is so profound is, folks, the answer to everything in your life is a greater vision of who Jesus is. I'm gonna say it again. The, great, the, the answer to anything in your life, anything, is a greater vision of who Jesus is in his glory at the right hand of the Father. That's the answer to everything. When that happens, as was with John, when you have a greater vision of Jesus, guess what? Revelation comes, healing comes, perspective, walk, faith comes, everything comes. But today, in American church, what do we do? We, we send people off on a journey of finding steps or books or methods or whatever. Again, we use all that stuff, but what happens is we put more hope in this book or in this thing or this seminar or this conference or whatever it is. You've got to find Jesus you got to find and get a vision for who he is. And guess what? What did he do? The veil's torn. But Hebrews says, man, you have access. Boom, right into the very throne room of God. The same thing that John saw, you can see. You can see. It's available for you. And so I just say, don't sell out for simple answers, simple little, and again, folks, in our therapeutic culture, this is what we've done. We've sold people a line of pathetic therapeutic, biblical kind of things to make them feel good and to address a need in their life rather than the real need we all have. I need to see Jesus. I need more of him in my life. When that happens, whew, everything is possible in my life, right? And we'll, we'll get there next week. Um, it's so, so awesome. And um, oh, I'm tempted to jump in, but we're not. So how do we walk by faith in a world of doubt? Um, Folks, for an unbeliever, a person who hasn't seen the glory of Jesus, the only thing they have is doubt. They're bound by doubt. 
So I want to encourage you, believer, this morning, don't fall back. Don't give the enemy room for doubt in your heart. If any thoughts of God's love for you or any thoughts of God's goodness, any thoughts of God's existence, any of that, you gotta kill it quick. And we need to roll up our sleeves with each other to fight that. Because there is, again, it is dangerous. Anybody that tries to tell you that is a good process, okay, doesn't understand spiritual warfare, doesn't understand the soul and the, and the beauty of the gospel, right? Um, and so I, I just want to close this time out. Derek, y'all come on up. Um, I want to read 2 Corinthians, uh, the end of 4 and the beginning of 5, where we get this idea where Paul says we're to walk by faith, not by sight, right? Just to encourage us this morning as we close out our time and uh, come to the table. So this is the end of 2 Corinthians. Again, I plead with you folks, bring your Bibles as an indicator of your hunger for God's word. I plead with you to consider a paper Bible so you don't have distraction. There's a reason why Jesus came when he did, not in the media age. I won't go into the details on that. But the scripture, prophetically, folks, the scripture says Jesus came at just the right time. And that's really important for us to understand. Here we go, look at this. So do not, this is verse 16 of chapter four, 2 Corinthians. Paul's encouraging the church, so we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Walk by faith. Be assured of what Jesus has done for you. No matter what comes your way, right? The exhortation to each other is don't lose heart. Don't lose soul. Jesus has got this. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Folks, is that a reality for you? Because I'm telling you, I, uh, you know, almost 58, I'm the outer self. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? This is not good. Can I give testimony though? Man, I might be going gray. I might be just getting a little stiffer and all these things, but can I give testimony? But Lord, my faith, my vision of you, the fruit of the spirit, my soul is being renewed. I'm growing right in my faith. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You know what Paul calls all the suffering we experience in this world? He calls it light and momentary affliction. Ah, this is nothing compared to what I have to look forward to, which is an eternal weight of glory. Um, words that can't describe the glory that's waiting you. Not only glory in the sense that your body, you're gonna be glorified like Jesus in your person fulfilled, but you will step into glory, beyond, uh, glory to glory. And he says, this is, is that our perspective today? When we experience COVID or what just good on the list of things, man, do I, do I think that way? Do I? I thought, Lord, this is just pathetic little temporary affliction. Man, I set my eyes on, man, I, I got glory coming, Amen. right? The kingdom is coming and Jesus is coming and am I ready for that, right? This is, this is the perspective of the early church. We got some work to do here in America, big time, right? As we look not into the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are are eternal, do you know how to do that as a discipline in your life? To set your hope and your mind on the things that are not seen in the spiritual realm and the spiritual blessings, right? And Ephesians says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the what? In the heavenly realm. 
right? For we know that if this tent, he's talking about our body, that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Is that your perspective of death and aging? Are you just trying to hold on, right, to this life? Or just, I mean, I've got a home. I've got a new body waiting for me. I've got an eternal life and glory waiting for me. I can't wait. And so whatever happens to me in this life, ah, this is just a minor temporary affliction. This is to be normal thought for faith in the church today. Where is that today in the American church? We got to wake up, people. Right? We got to wake up. For in this tent we grow longing to put on the heavenly dwelling. If indeed putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, our body, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, right? So that what is mortal, all right, what is going to die may be swallowed up by eternal life. And he, God, Jesus, who has prepared all this, uh, this very thing, is, is God who's prepared this for us, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Folks, are, are you sure that you've received the Holy Spirit into your soul as the guarantee of God's eternal life for you. Boy, we've missed this. Nowhere in scripture do we see salvation with some easy believism is they spend time to realize the radical change takes place when you're saved and the spirit opens your life up, right? Is there is to be evidence that the spirit of God has come to dwell and make this a temple of God. I just plead with you watching online here. Are you sure the spirit of God, right, has redeemed you and is in you. We're to encourage each other in this and, and go after it, right, if we haven't. But look at this as we close out. So we're to always be of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And folks, so the, the, the context of that scripture is walk by faith, not by sight. Jesus is not physically with us. So we're to walk by faith. He's at the heavens, not by sight, but he is with you by the very presence of the Holy Spirit right in your life. And yes, we have good courage. We'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether at home or away, we make it our, our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. We'll all stand before him. Are you ready for that? Am I ready for that? Right? Let's so walk by faith and get ready. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, just the, let us expand our hearts, Lord, for the magnitude of salvation, the magnitude of the sending forth of your spirit to indwell us, empower us, and to bring alive, Lord, your life inside our soul. Father, if anybody's here, anybody watching, anybody here, Lord, that's not sure of that, Father, I pray today's the day of salvation. They receive just by faith. Man, it's just crying out as a child. Lord, come, come. Be, be the Savior of my heart and my soul. I turn, I repent from my ways, my independent ways. I turn to you in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for those of us that have been believers, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for the conviction where we've coddled doubt, where we've doubted you. God, when we lay that down, Lord, may you let faith rise inside our soul, Lord. Let us truly learn to see the already, what you've done, and be seekers of the not yet, of, Lord, what you have for us.
Holy Spirit, come in this place. You know what our hearts need. You know what the conviction we need. You know, Lord, come to your work. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.